This episode is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a bit different than most summers. We're staying at home for the most part, and we're finding ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players, ages 10 and up, although younger kids can play with adult guidance. It is a great way to keep families engaged in off screens, even if it's just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. And it's really easy to pick up. Get Catan at CatanShop.com slash mom. Listeners of our podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And I would like to welcome our listeners at this time to the two-part mom stuff explanation of masturbation. And by explanation, I mean more of a statistical outlook Mm -hmm. on who does it, how everyone, all the time, (laughs) and whether or not it affects people's sex lives, because that's a big question that is, um, that's come up, uh, from listeners and just from, you know, conversations with friends as we get older and people are in relationships and are sexually active, things like that. Yeah. Um, there was a 2010 National Survey of Sexual Health and Behavior Study to kick this off with numbers. Um, 94% of men and 84% of women between the ages of 25 and 29 reported masturbating solo. Yeah, and masturbating solo is a term that comes up a lot because uh, researchers do differentiate between masturbating on one's own and masturbating in more of a couple situation. Right. But don't think that this is just a young person's game. Mm-hmm. Um, in the over 70 set, 80% of men and 58% of women reported solo masturbation. Yeah. And then on the other end of the age spectrum, more than half of women between 18 and 49 reported masturbating during the previous 90 days. Mm-hmm. And their rates were highest among those 25 to 29 And then started to dip down a little bit as women got older. And back to that over 70 set. Solo masturbation was reported by more than half who were in non-cohabitating relationships compared with 12.2% of the married ladies. So you know what that means? Our grandparents probably masturbated. Or might be right now. I'm just saying. I'm just going to keep staring at you blankly. (laughs) No, but I think, you know, uh, good to point out that, you know, even among the elder population... Still going on. And this is not a revelation that American adults are masturbating and masturbating on a regular basis. Uh, from the 1948 and 1953 studies from, uh, from the Kinsey Institute, 92% of men and 62% of women reported that, yes, indeed, they had masturbated. I should point out that in those two studies, it was fo- focused almost exclusively on white and middle class Americans. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nevertheless, majority of folks, even back then, were were masturbating solo. Yeah, not a lot of these studies really appeared to break anything down by race, ethnicity, social class. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were just purely men versus women, old versus young. Right. 
And speaking of young, mm-hmm. uh, for what might be the most awkward mm-hmm. revelation of this podcast, oh, yes. uh, this chapter in our, in our two part masturbation series is that in fact, and this is coming from, uh, Columbia University's awesome, uh, sexual health site, Go Ask Alice. She points out that infants and children, um, while they are not doing it for erotic pleasure, do self-stimulate. Right. Just because it feels good. Yeah. It feels good. Like playing with your hair. Mm-hmm. Or, yes. Um, and Freud, you know, he has something to say about everything. Of course. And Freud saw no problem with um, childhood self-play because he said that it's a practice for adult sexual encounters. So they're just kind of learning, learning the ropes. Yeah, it seemed like Freud had a, a bigger problem with the psychoanalysis of fantasies and masturbation in adulthood. Yeah, he basically said that you're a failure if you masturbate as an adult. Right. Because you didn't adjust. You didn't. Basically, masturbation is a phase that kids go through. Mm-hmm. It's just they experience stuff and move on with their lives and grow up. But those of you who, those of you who didn't uh, get out of that phase, just your failure. This is according to Freud. According to Freud. Yeah. We're going to bust that myth. Yeah, we are. Pretty soon. But first, working up from um, infant and childhood, we get into adolescence. And that 2010 National Survey of Sexual Health and Behavior uh, that Caroline mentioned was uh, provides some of the most illuminating data, actually, on the masturbation habits of American adolescents. Mm-hmm. And here we go. Here are some statistics. Half of boys interviewed said they masturbated at least twice a week. But only 23% of girls reported the same frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, 63% of younger boys reported masturbating at least once. And then that number jumps up to 80% among 17-year-olds. And with this data, as you can already kind of start to see, we have the gender difference in at least reported rates of masturbation. It might be that, you know, girls might be shyer about self-reporting. Um, we've seen in uh, certain in- instances, if it's face-to-face interviews, you know, them asking you, like if I were to sit here and start asking you direct questions face-to-face, Caroline, you might be a little more hesitant to spill the beans right. than if you were filling out a survey. Right. You mentioned the percent of younger boys uh, who masturbate jumping once they hit, or, you know, the late teen area. And it's the same for, for girls. That percentage rose with age from 43% to 58%. Mm-hmm. And Cynthia Robbins, who is from Indiana University, Indianapolis, uh, stressed, she wrote an article and she stressed the importance of communicating with teens about masturbation because it's actually, you know, and, you know, it's the major way in which they express themselves sexually. More of them are masturbating than are having sex. Yeah. And in a lot of these, um, like sexual health studies that we found, especially focusing on the masturbation habits of teen girls and even girls in their, um, late teens and early twenties, it's something that sexual health educators Stress is something that's so important because a lot of times, like, girls are socialized to think of masturbation as this thing that only boys do. Right. Or that it's gross or dirty or that, yeah. Or that your genitals are gross or dirty. Right. Just sort of somehow ingrained. Studies have shown that, that women who masturbate have a, a better outlook on, a healthier outlook on their own body image are better able to, um, or typically report higher rates of sexual satisfaction because they simply know their bodies better. They know what turns them on and things like that. Um, and if it can be worked into, you know, comprehensive 
sex education, a lot of these um, uh, health researchers think that it could be a really good thing. Um, and for instance, though, teens who masturbate seem to be more likely to have sex with a partner, but at the same time, they're more likely to practice safe sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's just that they're they're more familiar with their own bodies. Right. And I can understand how uh, this correlation between uh, teen masturbation and teen sex could could be a giant red flag for a lot of people, but it seems like it goes hand in hand with safer sex practices as well. Right. And moving on from teens, we really seem to hit our masturbation stride in adulthood. You know, we've talked about some of the percentages and adults ages 18 to 59 are more likely to masturbate than adolescents. And British evolutionary biologists Robin Baker and Mark Bellis actually found that male university students masturbate every 72 hours. Jesse Baring from Scientific American explains such frequent masturbation mm-hmm. um, as a way to sort of, a, I guess, empty out old sperm, <laughs> to put it to put it lightly, because you would think from an evolutionary perspective, you would think that guys would go as long as possible without masturbating before they have intercourse. Stir up all those little soldiers. Exactly. But... Those older, those old soldiers don't really have that long of a shelf life. They only, sperm only lasts about five to seven days after production. And seems that men produce three million every day. Yeah, you gotta clear the shelves. Yeah, masturbation. Bearing at least asserts that masturbation, frequent masturbation is the way that men keep the, keep the production lines going. Right. And Baker and Bellis uh, sort of brought up the question of do women's bodies seek out Newer sperm, newer, stronger sperm. And they did a study of postcoital bodily fluids and found that when a man had not ejaculated for a couple of days, more of his sperm was rejected by the woman's body. And since we are talking about um, about intercourse and masturbation, why don't we talk about the relationship? Like, because you might think there's this, this social idea that people who only masturbate because they are lonely mm-hmm. and they have no other outlet. And if you are masturbating, especially if you're a woman, if you're masturbating while you have are in a relationship and have sex available to you, something is dreadfully wrong. Right. But that's not the case. These studies found that um, people in relationships, whether you're married or dating or whatever, actually masturbate more often. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to go along with the more sexual fantasies you have, the more sex you have, the more you masturbate. And some people call it just a compulsion. Some people say that um, the more you have it, the more you want it. Yeah. And there was I think it was from Psychology Today. Uh, one guy was breaking down a study on adult masturbation habits and was saying that if you're in a relationship that is sexless, mm-hmm. A lot of times you won't be masturbating at all either. It seems like there's a positive correlation between having sex in a relationship and solo masturbation and then the negative relationship. If one goes down, so does the other. Um, but here is one, one instance when, um, women's rates of masturbation will go down is if we are in poor health. Whereas with men, they keep on masturbating even when they're sick. <laughs> right through a cold. I wonder if that applies to, they didn't specify, I wonder if that applies to just like, <laughs> I have the flu, or if it's, you know, some life-threatening 
illness. They're running like a 104 degree fever. Yeah, they're just delirious, <laughs> having all sorts of weird fantasies. <laughs> but but uh, this Michael Castleman, the guy who uh, wrote for Psychology Today, he actually linked masturbation with increased education, greater frequency of sexual thoughts, sexual experimentation before puberty, and larger numbers of lifetime sexual partners. And I mean, because of all that, like there's, I can see both sides of the coin where all of those, that collection of um, correlations could really freak some people out mm-hmm. who might see masturbation as this sort of gateway to just gateway, un- <laughs> gateway to unbridled sexual Woo! behavior. But at the same time, again, from a sexual health perspective, a lot of educators see it as a positive thing and reiterate over and over again, people don't worry. There is no such thing as too much masturbation or abnormal masturbation. Yeah. Unless it's, unless it's disordered and attached to you, unless you never leave your house and you end up hurting yourself. Right. Um, and that gets into more of conversations about sex addiction and porn addiction Mm -hmm. and things like that. But in terms of just masturbating and using vibrators, all of that, that's, no, we we did not find a single person who said, well, if you're doing it more than <laughs> X times a day or week or month, then you better watch out. Right. But I think that uh, the statistics do point out very clearly, though, that there is there is a gender gap. Yeah. And it's either in just reporting or actual behavior, masturbation behavior. Right. Now, uh, my own research that I have done talking to friends of mine, it, it does seem like the guys I talk to are, are much more focused on that activity than the ladies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for whatever reason. Well, again, like you, you mentioned earlier, Caroline, in a lot of different cultures, women have been led to believe that that vaginas are, are not to be touched. Yeah, because, you know, we have the stereotypes as, you know, women's sex role is to be the the dependent, submissive one. Mm -hmm. And so you might be considered loose and threatening if you're if you're just taking care of your own business. Right. And one example of of how that that cultural mindset can shift in a positive way um, comes from a study we found interviewing younger women in China because in the 1990s, there was a sexual revolution in China. And as a byproduct of it, the perception of female masturbation really shifted from one of, of repression to embracing it as, as an acceptable, normal, healthy behavior and also a way to, quote, make love to oneself and a way to enhance the quality of sexual relationships with it, which is a really positive and, and well-rounded view of, um, of female masturbation mm-hmm. in general, because just since, um, male masturbation is such an, a normalized sexual behavior. Right. So I guess that's, I mean, that's masturbation by the numbers. It is. Are there any numbers? Oh, there are, there's one set of numbers I haven't dropped. What's that? All right. We said everybody masturbates. Not everybody. Not, no, it's true. Not everybody. Here we go. From, uh, this is from a 1993 study, so I, I should have pulled the numbers from the, the 2010 survey, but I have a feeling it's probably in the same ballpark. 5% of men and 11% of women reported having never masturbated. Hmm. And there are a lot of reasons that could be. One study talked about, you know, if you're from a certain background, mm-hmm. like maybe a really religious background, you, you are less likely to experiment with your body than otherwise. Yeah. Um, but while not everyone does, 
a lot of us do. A lot, yeah, Young, a lot of people. old, and everyone in between. And in the next episode, we'll go more into how it can affect relationships. Right. So I hope you'll tune in and I hope you will send us your thoughts. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, nice G rated, <laughs> PG rated yes, as, thoughts. As always, uh, remember our spam filters. Yeah. So our email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And we have one email here from Elsie. And speaking of getting to know your bodies, she was sending in a request for us to talk a little bit more about uh, exams that none of us want to take, such as pelvic exams, rectal exams, breast exams, mammograms, etc. She says, when I was in the Air Force, one of my jobs was to call up active duty females who had not had their annual pap smears and schedule an appointment for them. It was no easy task since most of these women didn't want to come in in the first place. I was usually able to schedule about 50% of them, and I would hand the list over to my supervisor or officer in charge, who would then call the patient again and call their supervisors, who then had to tell or command the women to come in for a pap smear. I also encountered a lot of women who thought that just because the results of their pap smear were abnormal, they had HPV and would get cervical cancer, which is not true. I think most of these women were just scared because they didn't know about the various procedures, and it would be great to shine some light on these procedures and the various types of results that a woman can expect to get. And that is an excellent suggestion. Um, and For sure. Also wanted to give a quick shout out to the women at My Little Pony Friendship is Magic animated TV show, specifically Kat Stenson. You guys um, wrote on our Facebook wall uh, in response to a blog post about bronies, and I thought it was really cool. So to the My Little Pony crew and everyone else, thanks for listening. And you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast, like us on Facebook, and check out our blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Fork's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? What if I told you that UFOs, haunted houses, and even inexplicable magic tricks are all caused by the same creature? And what if I told you these powerful and ancient beings are meant to be feared? The Hidden Jinn, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Aaron Mankey's Grim and Mild, explores the legends of these ancient and terrifying creatures. Join me, Rabia Chaudhary, as we step into the world of The Hidden Jinn. Listen to The Hidden Jinn on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality, at our inability to get basic things done, at the persistence of systemic racism? You're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point, but which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.